All right. I guess we're good. I got my notes going here. Um, oh, let's see. Acts chapter one, chapter eight. <laughs> Acts chapter number eight. Um, I'm pretty excited that um, everything's starting to open up here in uh, Virginia. I got to uh, meet with uh, some young people, college age uh, students that I haven't been able to see in since this whole thing started. Um, we do, we've been doing a Bible study on Sunday nights for oh, well, three years now, I think. And I've got to see a lot of them graduate. So every, every May, the Bible study basically uh, turns over. Um, they move on, they graduate, they go back to their per perspective state. Some of them stay, some of them get married, and when they do, they uh, they end up uh, staying in Lynchburg, and I've had the opportunity to marry, marry them and dedicate some of their babies as they've stayed around. And uh, But anyway, I've always met with the guys separately, and uh, we've always met for coffee. Monday morning, Tuesday morning, something like that. So I got to meet with two of them yesterday. And uh, we're back on our once a week routine over coffee Bible study. So I was pretty excited about that. I got to meet two of them. And uh, two of them which got married, have babies, live here in Lynchburg. And then hopefully uh, we'll start back the Sunday night study once the fall semester kicks off and everybody's back in town so we can have the the wives and the and the other students coming so looking forward to that but anyway I've I've just always enjoyed enjoyed working with that age group they're just so receptive <laughs> it's when they get old you know that they just oh get all crusty man you just can't teach them anything uh, sometimes, not all the time, but get set in their ways for sure. But uh, anyways, Acts chapter 8, verse 1, And Saul was consenting unto the death at that time. There was great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. And we've already talked about how for years, I erroneously taught that God used uh, Saul to persecute the church, to scatter it. For the, pers the purpose of the persecution was to scatter the church um, so that it could fulfill the Great Commission. Um, and I guess in one sense, it, it, it could have, because you see here, they did scatter to Judea and Samaria. Uh, and of course, you know, Acts 1, uh, Acts 1 and verse number 8 does say, But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. So, you know, like I mentioned last time, maybe this was preemptive in that God was using Saul to get the gospel out. Um, the kingdom gospel, of course. Um, but I... I, I would I'd be hard pressed to teach that as primary reason uh, God did that, but it certainly was a side effect of that persecution. Um, and then of course we see here we talked about why the apostles didn't go themselves. Um, again, I I believe that the apostles 
didn't go because uh, they they believe that um, you know Jerusalem need needed to be converted first, um, and um, and when then when it was converted, then it would move beyond Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost. So we talked a little bit about that, um, and remember this was at least four you know, years after Pentecost. So they were still there. So one of my, what I, one of my notes was, um, Israel had to be saved first and that had to start in Jerusalem. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about that when we get to the Samaritans, because I think it's significant that the apostles had to lay hands on the Samaritans, uh, to impart you know, the Holy Spirit. So, you know, I think that's, that's still, that's interesting. Um, so, and then we also talk about even if Jerusalem had been converted, uh, even after the disciples were scattered outside of Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria, they still only took the gospel of the kingdom to the Jew. Uh, they didn't take the gospel of the kingdom to the Gentile. Acts eleven nineteen and they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen um, traveled as far as Phineas and Cyprus and Antioch preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. Again, they were laser focused on the repentance of the Jewish nation. Uh, they were still following uh, the words of the Lord. Uh, remember, he told them to go to the Gentile only. Um, they were not to go. Uh, remember, Jesus said, do not go into the way, the way of the Gentile. I'm looking uh, for that. So they, they never went to the Gentile during Christ's earthly ministry. And I would submit to you that other than Cornelius, uh, they never went to the Gentile uh, during their during their earthly ministry, they continued to focus on the nation of Israel. God raised the Apostle Paul to go to the Gentile. Uh, and, and as we studied through it in the Council of Jerusalem in Acts chapter number 15, you know, they said, we'll continue our ministry to the circumcised, and you, you, you go to the uncircumcised, which was the Gentile. So the apostles were not confused as many accused them of being. I can't tell you how many classes I've set in or how many commentaries I've read about how confused the apostles were. You know, how, how confused poor Peter was, especially. They loved to, to criticize impetuous Peter. You know, they criticized him for taking his eyes off of Christ when he stepped out on the water. At least he stepped out on the water. Have you ever walked on water? I, I've never walked on water. Um, you know, they criticized him for, um, you know, the ordination, if you would, of Matthias. He should have waited. You know, he should have waited for, for Paul. And that just tells you right there, they do not understand the whole purpose of the ministry of the apostles. The very fact that they even tell you that. They, 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 they don't understand the uniqueness of the ministry of Paul. Uh, Paul was not called to the Jew. Lord knows he wanted to go to the Jew. And as we'll see later, he, he tried to go to the Jew repeated times. You know, and it almost cost him his life on a few occasions. Uh, but God had separated him 
to take the gospel to the Gentile. And anyone that tells you, you know, Peter got ahead of himself in ordaining or, you know, choosing Matthias to take Judas's place, there's your sign that they don't understand uh, the uniqueness of the ministry of the Apostle Paul, which is probably about 99% <laughs> of the churches I've ever been a part of. Uh, uh, we've just swallowed that line, hook, line, and sinker, unfortunately. And then verse 2, And devout men carried Stephen to his barrel and made great lamentation over him. And as for Saul... He made havoc of the church, entering every house, hailing men and women, committing them to prison. So again, we found that Saul was the leader of this bunch. I mean, he wasn't just an, a bystander. Uh, he was aggressively uh, leading this. And there was two reasons why um, this was happening. Because prophecy required it. Um you know, Psalms 2, 1 through 12, Psalm 22, 1 through 19, John chapter 3, verse number 44. Um, you know, it, it required that Jesus be crucified. Um, and uh, the only way for Jesus to be crucified would be for the Romans to get involved. Uh, because, as we know, the rules of blasphemy, the laws of blasphemy from the Jewish people, from the Old Testament didn't include um, crucifixion. Uh, if it was up to the Jew, they would have stoned him, just like they stoned Stephen. So um, Christ had to be crucified to fulfill Old Testament prophecies. Then verse number four, Therefore they were scattered abroad, went everywhere, preaching the word. And of course this word was the gospel of the kingdom, to Jew only. The gospel of the kingdom is to the Jew only. The gospel of the kingdom. I was talking to a young man the other day. Um, he's in ministry and um, out in Texas. And, um, you know, he was. I was talking to him about altar calls, you know, and why I just don't really do altar calls anymore. I do times of commitment, you know, like when I finish my message and you know, the whole every head bowed, every eye closed, no looking around, you know. Um, you know, that that was invented by the Wesley brothers as a means of keeping track of those who have made decisions for fellowship and for follow up and discipleship. Of course Billy Graham is also known for that. Um, but that's not really a biblical concept. Um, because for some reason we have equated the altar call with salvation because um, I can't tell you how many people I've asked you know about their salvation and they tell me the day they went forward um, and they they place their salv their salvation experience on responding to an altar call you know well I submit to you that two things that they're saved long before the altar call started. And usually, uh, they're saved the moment they believe. You know, believe and thou shalt be saved. The minute in that message that the Holy Spirit prompted them, and they said, not even audibly, but just, I believe that. You know, in the, in the, within themselves, uh, they became saved. Uh, they became uh, a part of the body of Christ. 
regardless of whether or not they respond on the fifth line of just as I am. Uh, but the reason we do altar calls is because we have mingled the gospel of the kingdom with the gospel of grace. We tell them they need to come down and repent, and then any good <clears throat> good Baptist church, you know, they're going to immediately put them forth for baptism. Because we have taken repentance and baptism, and we have pulled it into the gospel of grace, but then we turn around and tell them, it's a faith, lest any, any man should boast, you know, but we still pressure them to come down. Uh, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be, I'll be ashamed of you. You know, they, we pressure them to come down and repent. And then Robert's rules of order, you know, which every good, you know, Baptistic church follows, uh, dictates that, you know, the pastor meets with them one-on-one -on -one down there at the altar or brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so dealing with the women and uh, you know they do a, a prayer with them uh, usually a sinner's prayer and then they'll turn around and they will present them to the church for membership through baptism <clears throat> again we have we have mingled the gospel grace uh, with with the gospel of the kingdom and that's why we do it, and that's why I shy away from it. I just don't get involved in in those high-pressure altar calls anymore. Um, I'll, Like I said, I'll do a time of commitment at the end of my message, which is kind of like, you know, if the Lord's spoken to you, if there's something you're dealing with, you know, but as far as, you know, sometimes I'll even offer myself, I'm standing here if you want to talk, or sometimes... Usually as I travel and speak, so it's not my church. I haven't pastored a, quote, formalized 501c3 church in, in years, so I just follow the lead of the pastor. But usually my part in the, uh, in the altar call is uh, just, you know, what's God dealing with you about today? Uh, so anyway... So then look at verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. When I read this, I can't help but look up back. Verse number 1, they went to Judea and Samaria. And like I said, this could have been preemptive just in case uh, Jerusalem repented um, and fulfilling Acts 1.8. Notice it says that he went down to the city of Samaria, even though Samaria, you look on a map, Samaria, Galilee, all those places are north because remember we talked about Elijah. Elijah is going up to the temple of God, up to the house of God. You always go up to Jerusalem and when you leave Jerusalem, you're always going down, you know, and again, uh, that has nothing to do with topography. It's got everything to do with respect uh, for the temple, the house of the Lord. And then it's also interesting to note that Philip, just like Peter and Stephen, preached Christ, not Christ crucified, just Christ. And I emphasized last time there's a difference. Um, the apostles taught Christ. They did not hang any significance on the crucifixion. Um, that is the gospel of grace. That's the gospel of grace. Um, Romans talks about that. You know, their, their turning away was our salvation. Uh, their crucifying the Messiah. What was bad news to them was good news to us. 
And again, when, when Philip preaches to the Ethiopian eunuch, it's the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, and again, he preaches only Christ to the Ethiopian eunuch, and the Ethiopian eunuch uh, took that back with him. That's all he knew. This is the same message that Paul preached on his conversion. Uh, I've, I've done some studies where people have said that Paul was originally converted in Acts 9 under the gospel of grace. I struggle with that because Paul didn't know the gospel of grace. Uh, Paul only knew the kingdom gospel. Uh, Paul only knew what he had learned at the, at the feet of Gamaliel. Um, so Paul was not, in my opinion, converted under the gospel of grace. He believed the gospel of the kingdom, and therefore he preached the gospel of the kingdom. It was later that God revealed the gospel of grace to Paul, and Paul began preaching the gospel of grace. But originally, uh, he came to faith under the gospel of the kingdom, not under the gospel of grace that was given to him years later. As a final note, on the Samaritans, uh, they were half Jew, half Gentile as a result of the intermarrying of those who were left behind during the Assyrian uh, captivity. They were the descendants of the ten northern tribes, and they did practice a diluted version of Judaism, and they were still Jew. And therefore, the gospel of the kingdom is, take, is being taken to them um, because of that. Now, some say that it's significant that Peter and John had to lay hands on these guys later in order for them to receive the Holy Spirit. Um, and the question is, why? I mean, the other Jews, the ones in Jerusalem, you know, they just preach the gospel of the kingdom, repentance, and be baptized, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Why did... Peter and John have to lay hands on these guys in order for them to receive the Holy Spirit. Um, some people say that the reason these Samaritans had, they, that they had to submit to the authority of Jerusalem because they didn't beforehand, but they had to submit to the authority of the Jerusalem church first. And that's why God sent Peter and John to lay hands on them to make sure that they were going to submit to a true form of Judaism instead of a diluted form of Judaism. So, you know, something to think about. Uh, verse number six, And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things, which Philip spake, giving, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. <clears throat> Now notice that the miracles were still being used to convince the nation as to the validity of the message. Um, and that was the point of the miracles. That was the point um, of Pentecost, was that these sign gifts would be handed out to, to, to uh, confirm the validity of the message that was being taught. Uh, Paul told the Corinthians in Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 22, for the Jews um, require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. The Jews were looking for signs. 
and the signs were the miracles that the apostles performed, which generated an audience from which the gospel of the kingdom was presented. So it makes total sense. Uh, that was the purpose of the sign gifts. Um, and it's also one of the greatest arguments that the sign gifts were unique to the apostolic church. Um, you know, I've, I've went back and forth on that for years, you know, as I've, I've went between various groups. Um, but uh, I'm more solid than ever now that these gifts were given uniquely at Pentecost to the Jew only um, as a validation of the gospel of the kingdom. Um, and then once the Jewish nation rejected that, um, they rejected it all. They, they blasphemed the Holy Spirit. Therefore, these gifts, these unique gifts, will not be used again until the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom, Daniel's 70th week, so uh, which is yet future. And then notice verse 7, For unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many of those that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. Now, Les Feldick points out at this point that Paul never addressed the issue of demonic possession. Therefore, the only answer for demonic possession is salvation. Um, they need to be saved. I mean, yeah, we go to the Gospels and we point, if a man, you know, cleans his house, you know, and the demons come back with twice as many and it's worse than he was before, but again, that's that's under you know the apostolic ministry that's not referring to the body of Christ the context has nothing to do with the body of Christ it's all in regard to the apostolic ministry under the gospel of the kingdom so i i kind of lean toward what Les is saying here uh, you know the answer to demonic possession is salvation um something to think about but if you think about it, you know, all the exorcisms are based on the Gospels. Uh, they're certainly not based upon um, on the Pauline epistles. So, so, something to think about. And then verse 8, and there was great joy in that city. So, next time we get together, we're going to talk about a certain man called Simon. So anyway, I hope you guys have a great day. Remember, God loves you, wants the best for you, and he's working all things out for your good. And I'll see you tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock, as we continue our study through the book of Acts.